catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Just before 2020, that's COVID year, for those who had not been following the tech ecosystem in Africa generally, the ecosystem got much more coverage, much more popular from 2019, the year before the COVID. And from then, it was all highs. And then 2023, where we're at now, and it seems like money has started drying up or funding slash investment has started drying up. And it didn't just start drying up in 2023. 2021, I'm guessing, you know, was like the peak year and then started experiencing some downturn. We I didn't really call it a downturn in 2022 because I was like, mm, it's just uh, maybe small, you know, challenge. We're going to get over it. But it seems like it's biting hard. And here in this episode, we're going to be looking at the trends that shaped funding and investment in Africa in 2023. And I have here with me Sylvester K. Adade is a business and investment professional and he's the market research lead at ingressive capital ingressive capital is a 10 million fund one and 50 million fund two pan-african venture capital firm and he follows investment trends and patterns across the key geographies of the company and you know all of africa actually before ingressive capital sylvester um, led market research and small business advisory at Kedari Capital and worked as part of the team that managed two major transactions totaling over one billion US dollars within and outside Nigeria. And he's also an alumnus of McMaster University and Mohawk College. Hi Sylvester, hi. What's up? How are you doing today? Hi Anthony, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Good. First off, tell us what it means to be a market research lead at a firm like Ingressive Capital. <laughs> Interesting question. So what I do basically is look at our focus geography. So Ingressive Capital is Pan-African, but based on our investment thesis, we focus on five major geographies which have high mobile penetration, which have youthful population, seem to have a relatively high innovation drive. So based on that, we have five countries that we focus on, which are Egypt, Ghana, Kenya, Morocco, and Nigeria. So what I do is make sure that those five geographies still have the promise that we that they had when we first started investing. So by that, I mean, has anything changed that would make those geographies not good investments moving forward um, is there anything that we need to take note of that could affect that could negatively impact our portcos in those regions is there anything that we need to know um, is there any sectors coming up that we need to take advantage of um, i also look at the rest of africa so what's happening happening in north africa what's happening in in the west in the east and south africa is there anything happening in those regions? Are people, is something coming up in those regions that we need to ride the first wave, you know, no, the first wave on? Is there anything promising coming out of those regions so that we can quickly, you know, take advantage of those opportunities? 
yeah, that's pretty much what I do. So in case of aggressive, we typically don't invest in South Africa, but then we invested in a company called Carry First. And that's Carry First is focusing, it's like a pioneer in the gaming industry in Africa. I'm sure you already know about Carry First. Mm -hmm. So because of the promise and because of the, the innovation of the founders, we actually invested in Carry First. Though South Africa is outside our focus. So it's not just it's not that we just focus on five, but if there's promise in any other African country, we'll definitely get into it. Hmm. Okay, and you, there's it isn't like there's a reason you don't invest in South Africa. It's just that you haven't ventured into it yet, right? Well, I would say we it's not a primary focus, and that's because uh, South Africa, for the most part, is a very is a highly advanced of i mean of all the economies in mm -hmm. in africa is one of the technologically advanced and what we focus what um aggressive focuses on is um tech so if it's not going to be something novel if it's not something that's going to be gdp transforming then we technically don't focus on those areas we like to focus on areas where the technology is going to make a huge impact and for South Africa, they're pretty much way ahead of the rest of the continent, relatively way ahead of the rest of the continent. So we don't particularly focus on South Africa. Okay, that's interesting to know. I I know better now. When we got to the first half of 2023, the end of the first half of 2023, the startups in Africa surpassed the $20 billion mark in terms of capital infusion, in terms of, you know, funding. And this is over a period of 15 years. It was a great milestone. But at the same time, there was a decline in the amount of funding in, say, looking at 2022 and 2021. It was just about $1 billion. Can we actually say, you know, that we are still in that downturn or still in that decline mode in terms of funding for startups on the continent looking at the fact that we are just a few weeks to the end of 2023 and it doesn't look like we would be hitting the mark we hit in 2022 or 2021 okay well i'm glad you asked that and it's definitely something that a lot of investment professionals have noticed or have commented on but I wouldn't say it's on it's on a decline. I, I would I would like to mention that it's something that is happening the world over, and that's primarily because of the SVP crisis that happened earlier in the year. Hmm. There was also you know for, most countries also experienced for, a lot of uh, countries. So sorry for context. SVB is for those who are new to the conversation. Silicon okay, Valley okay. Bank. Silicon, yeah. <laughs> Silicon exactly. Valley Bank, yeah. Okay. So Silicon Valley Bank had a huge crisis um, the, um, early in the year. And that kind of shocked the entire ecosystem because most mm -hmm. um, Silicon Valley startups, even some startups in Africa, actually bank with um, Silicon Valley Bank. And then they had a liquidity crisis at the start of the year. And that made a lot of tech investors uh, very shaky made a lot of, put a lot of tech startups in, in jeopardy because a lot of them had most of their money invested or stored in that bank. 
so that was one pro major problem another problem was the inflation so inflation hits it wasn't just an africa problem it was an it was a european problem it was a north african problem it was a global issue different countries battling inflation to varying degrees so most investors were just looking for safe safe havens for their money so most investors primarily u.s investors started pulling their money out of africa out of asia out of europe and putting it back in their econ in their own country which was giving them better interest rates you know everybody just puts their money wherever they can get the best returns uh, but I'll say on average for Africa, I don't think we had uh, too much of an issue. Earlier in the year, we brought in a lot of money. I'll mention like three scenarios. So for example, in January, uh, Jetstream raised about 13 million, I think, yeah, 13 million um, for their Series A. Carry First, like I mentioned earlier, raised 27 million. Most notably was the 400 million raised by MNT Halan in Egypt. Mm -hmm. That was in February. Um, you know, there are a couple of major investments that came into Africa. So I would say the decline, if we were to look at it, look at it as a decline, started happening probably around the halfway mark this year. And what can we attribute, attribute to that? To, yeah. I wouldn't say there's a specific issue. I, I would just say most investors are becoming more skeptical. So there's a lot of time being spent on due diligence now as opposed to you know just hopping on everything looks good so now more investors uh, are looking more critically before they invest right so something that would have taken a month now will take i mean two months three months and i would know this because we we just uh, concluded our fundraise and most of our major investors or most of the LPs that joined us, it, it took quite a lot of time to get through their due diligence before investing. So I think more invest their investors are still interested. It's just now they're more skeptical. And, you know, they also read the news. So they hear about, you know, some startups that fail. And I mean, all those are expected in venture capital. You always know that if you make maybe 10 investments, maybe just three or four of them are going to do very well the rest might be write-offs or the rest might not do as well but the three or four that do very well make up for you know the seven other or six other failures so it's expected but you know everybody looks at africa as you know the promised land this is where to make the money so anytime anything fails people start getting paranoid <laughs> about mm -hmm. the future of, of that geography but i think for the most part africa is still doing very well especially when you look at africa brings in barely one percent of the global vc funding like mm. if you have so I, I don't remember exactly but i mean i did the calculation a little while ago and it's just a little over one percent of global vc funding actually comes into africa but for the most part, Africa is still somewhere that is promising, especially when you look at if you invest in the right companies that have a good strategy, they have a clear path to profitability, the founders are experienced. And, you know, when second time founders come back into the ecosystem, it's always exciting. So I think for the most part, if you are and if you're really in tune with what's going on, nothing's really changed. It's just people, investors are more skeptical. So it's taking on more, a lot more time for them to deploy capital. Mm, okay, interesting. Now, 
back to the work that you do what do you look out for when you do the research that you do in you know geographies like in different locations and different what are the key things you're looking out for um and i want you to be a little bit more specific and maybe if you want to maybe like share with examples of what maybe you've looked out for in the past and say oh this you know it's something that we should you know watch okay well i do it month on month and then i do an analysis for the quarter so on a monthly basis for example i look at basically how much came into the ecosystem across africa how much came into the ecosystem for our geographies i look at what were the the tech sectors that brought in the most income and why for example okay i'll give you i'll be more specific so i've noticed what i've noticed over time or what we noticed over time is fintech still keeps bringing in most of the investments across Africa. And this is not because of Paystack or not because of MNT, MNT Halan. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just something that we see keep, uh, coming, uh, coming up every now and then. And what we've noticed is that FinTech is coming up because more and more mobile penetration is increasing across our geographies even just across africa i mean right now there are more mobile users in africa than north america and europe combined and that's not just because we have a large youthful population i mean we have a very large youthful population but at the same time that youthful population is getting more interested in tech right so regardless of if the youthful population is in urban areas or in their rural areas most of them have access to a mobile phone I mean, once you have access to a mobile phone, then you have access to um, to data. You have access to the internet. You have you have a way to learn. You have a way to to do transactions. Now, transactions is a part of life. You know, you have to transact mm-hmm. to to get food. You have to transact to get clothing. You need to trans do some form of transaction. You have to exchange money in order to get things done. So, whether you're in an urban area or your rural area, that's something that's that's generally that everybody can relate uh, relate with so fintech is growing astronomically because more and more people there's more and more financial inclusion so the more a startup or the more fintech startups that focus on financial inclusion or making banking or making transactions easier for people in remote areas or in rural areas do financial transactions the more promising is going to be so more and more fintechs are um, looking at that aspect and going into that sector specifically. So fintech, for the most part, brings in a lot of money, whether it is banking, whether it is cross-border transactions, whether it is you know crypto, whatever it may be. Lending. It's making, mm-hmm. Yes, lending for SMEs, lending for private use, whatever sector it is, fintech does very well in Africa. But then there's also agri-tech and the agri-tech is also kind of fintech related because the agri-tech that does very well is agri-tech that makes farming not only easier for farmers, but also makes it easier for farmers to get um, finances by their seeds, to buy fertilizers and to also help them get off takers even before they start planting or ahead of the harvest season. So Agritech does very well and that's also tied to our population. You know, the more people, the more um, food that's that's required 
for those people, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is um, health tech as well. So health tech is also something that we see is picking up. And that's picking up primarily because, you know, health is wealth, right? I mean, that's a cliche, but everybody knows health is wealth. So any way to keep that youthful population healthy, anything, anything that disrupts the way of doing things. I mean, the slow, the issues we have in Nigeria, surprisingly, are not just an African problem or just a Nigerian problem. So things like delay in getting access to, to medicine or delay in getting access to a doctor or delaying delaying getting access to a medical professional. It's not just a Nigeria problem. It's not just an African problem. It's, it's also something that people who live in North America um, experience. Uh, so any company that comes up with something that's disruptive, like, like getting your medicines ordered online or telemedicine that has, that has uh, broken barriers or anything really that kind of takes, um, disrupts the problem in that sector and makes it something that could be applicable not just regionally or not just uh, continentally but globally does have a lot of promise so most of those three sectors the, um, the companies in those sectors don't haven't built solutions that are good just for their countries or just for africa but they have solutions that are good for global application so what i do is i look at what got the most money and why is this something that we see is going to be gdp transforming which is something we focus on right we want to we want to invest in companies that when you look at the trajectory this is something that goes beyond their country goes beyond africa is something that has a global application that is something that we definitely want to get into if there's an issue for example um unfortunately ghana has been having a lot of trouble this year and that's that's because i mean it's the same issues everywhere but it, it seems to be it's it's hit ghana for the most part of the year a lot more than anywhere else so we had to halt investments in ghana for the most part of this year because even though there were some interesting things coming out we don't see the potential of those things growing or expanding quickly just because of the environment mm -hmm. that they're in so even though ghana is still still has the fundamentals that we look at their macroeconomics aren't looking very good or for the most part of this year weren't looking very good i mean the city was hit pretty hard mm -hmm. um inflation was went i mean was was over the roof their currency, um, I mean, it, it was a hot mess <laughs> for the yeah, most part of this yeah. year. That's so yeah. we just stayed clear of Ghana for this mm -hmm. year, uh, just as an example. I hope I was specific enough. I don't know if I can go any more Yeah, yeah. So, so there's something you mentioned, and I think I would ask that. What sectors did it, you know, for funding and investments in Africa and why? Of course, FinTech, again, for the longest of time, continues to lead the park but what other sectors did it and why and the second thing i i would want to ask you is if we eventually you know settle the cross-border payment system issues we have on the continent do you do you think that fintech will still be the go-to sector for investment okay all right so answer your first question I think I, I mentioned that. So agri-tech and health tech okay. um, were very close seconds to fintech. And that's primarily because of um, the youthful population. And if you, if, you, if you ever do your investigation, you'll find out that um, agriculture and services are two of the top contributors to 
the GDP of most African nations. So when you see agriculture as a big uh, contributor to GDP and you have a fintech or a company that's focused on improving or disrupting something in that sector, you definitely want to get a piece of that. Health tech, I already explained health tech, you know, anything that can improve health tech not just in africa but globally that's something that's interesting but then just to give you more insights there were three more sectors that we've taken note of that have picked a lot of interest and that's clean tech ed tech and insure tech right so in mm. terms of clean tech you know there's this drive for clean energy and, i was going to mention you know, that countries going <laughs> yeah countries going green and you know everybody's looking at africa you know africa is this continent that's has all this sun you know why don't they focus on sunlight so mm -hmm. so many uh so many companies are running i mean i won't say running but people are are founders are focusing on okay how can they uh, make the most of this drive towards clean energy right so mm -hmm. there's a lot of interest in clean tech and not just because there's just random interest but for for notable reasons right um if we can take advantage of something that we have an abundance of why not right so there's sunlight there's wind there's there's water so how can we take advantage of those how can we take advantage of those natural resources yes yes those resources mm -hmm. that's the word those resources that we have in abundance mm -hmm. so that's something that uh, a lot of investors are backing um edtech as well when you look at you know like again everything is really centered about around the fact that we have a young population so oh, you know yeah. getting getting people getting those that young population educated so that they can build africa's you know workforce and our uh, human capital so that they are more educated so we have more founders so we have more innovators if they're not educated then they can become those innovators they can become those founders mm -hmm. so anything that is making edtech more accessible that's making edtech uh more accessible really is something that is is highly focused on um I mean, for example, in Nigeria, the Mastercard Foundation did a partnership with CC Hub, where they invested ten thousand dollars. Was it either ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars? I don't remember exactly. In ten edtech companies that you know CC Hub identified, and those as companies that are making a huge difference in Nigeria, basically. And finally, InsureTech, which is surprising because most of Africa, we all have this. God forbid, you know, health policy. <laughs> God forbid, health policy. It can't happen to me. It's not. It's not my portion. So people don't usually. Insurance isn't um, a big thing for us. It's, it's God is our insurance. Yeah, it's, it's not necessary. Why do I have to spend this money and never have to use it, and I can't get the money back? Yay. It doesn't make any sense. So, but then you know, most countries are making auto insurance necessary. So now, people, if you want to have a car. You know you have to have auto insurance right so how can we how can auto insurance be more accessible to people but then after getting them their cars insured how can you get them to also buy into health insurance and get them to buy into home insurance and all that so companies that are focusing on not just making insurance policy available or easily accessible making it easy to understand making the policies easy to understand making the premiums affordable and also 
able to upsell the people that do get the car insurance or make it more attractive are getting a lot of love from from investors now so i would say the six that did very well this year or are doing very well this year so far are fintech agritech health tech clean tech edtech and insurtech now to the other question if we fix the trans-border payment system issue we have in africa will we stop seeing the flow of investments into fintech i don't think so why i say this because for the most part this is something a lot of companies you know a lot of companies who are well funded are focusing on you have flutter wave you have more recently payday you have a couple of them um that, that come to mind i don't want to publicize any, any for no for any random reason but for the most part that is something a lot of them are focusing on now i don't see that as a deterrent to investments in fintech because different countries are different paces in their adoption of technology right so nigeria is at the forefront you have kenya you have egypt you have south africa but you also have up on commerce like uh, like rwanda like um senegal and I say this because I was having a discussion with a colleague that is based in Senegal and he was telling me how he's looking to set up something in a particular sector that is not novel. In, in fact, in Nigeria, it's something that we've gone past. No, nobody's even looking at, at that aspect anymore. Or something that hasn't been innovated in Senegal. So he's trying to take advantage of that sector. And he explained all the reasons why it makes sense. And I was just surprised that, are you serious? They're so behind in in something that Nigeria has left, you know, eons ago. Wow. And a very good example is the DRC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Democratic Republic of Congo. So there's a company um, based there or based there that has its founders. They worked with the likes of Airbnb, uh, Meta, you know, all those big companies in the US. And now they've moved back home to DRC. And while having a conversation with them, they were telling me how, you know, they're going to make so much money and and blah, 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 blah. And I was okay. why? (laughs) Why do you think you're going to make so much money? And the the tech infrastructure in the DRC is way, way, way behind. I'll give you a clear example. So you explained that two banks, for example, let's say Access Bank and GTV to make it relatable for Nigerians. Let's say I wanted to transfer money from Access Bank to GT Bank. Uh, I would have to wait a week or three days to get for the transfer to be processed and completed and that's because they don't have that interbank switch that they don't have that infrastructure in place Mm -hmm. and so uh, with their experience you know in the u.s they are building that infrastructure so basically they are building the inter switch of the drc and after building after building the inter switch for the drc then they're going to have to build the infrastructure to make it faster so First, they will start with, okay, maybe we can make it one day instead of it taking three days. Then they'll take it to one hour before they can get to the point where it's five minutes or even seconds like it happens in Nigeria. So there, and uh, what they said is, it's the same thing for their neighboring countries like, like Senegal and Central African Republic. All of those countries in that region have the similar banking issues where they don't have the infrastructure for for you know lightning fast payments and it's the same thing for i mean if that happens within the country imagine transferring money from um, the drc to nigeria or the drc to togo that would take 
the same amount of time mm-hmm. weeks if not months right so i say that because even if we we break the the barrier of cross-border transactions there will always be the countries that are way behind and there will always be startups that come to solve the problems in those countries so as someone comes up to solve that problem that's an easy they have the they have the, the expertise they have the technology they have a clear path to profitability definitely people would invest and you know two countries that are taking a lot of notice now are actually senegal and ivory coast so investors are looking at those two countries now as open commerce i mean in the, on the african continent so i think regardless fintech would always be something that that is big in africa just because different countries are at different levels of their i guess technology their embrace of technology or their advancement in technology now that we're talking regions what regions received the most funding in 2023 do we still have the five major corporates um, or do we have entrance of new blood no it's still it's still the the usual guys so nigeria you know remains number one closely followed by south africa and kenya the kind of neck and neck and then we have um egypt I'm missing, there's, there's, there's another, but I think for the most part, it's those four actually, not five, those four. So Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, Egypt, they have brought in the most, the most funding this mm. year. Well, we, I mean, we have up and commerce, like I said, like Ivory Coast, um, Senegal, Rwanda, that are getting a lot of interest at the, as, you know, as they step up their game in tech. What's, what's driving, so, so what's driving, before, okay. Sorry, I just wanted to answer your question. So if we're talking regions, the West African region definitely brought in the most mm. funding, and that's because of Nigeria. What's what's driving the up and coming? What's pushing them, the, those countries? You just mentioned those returning from the US and from, you know, companies that are international companies back home. Aside those returning, the returnees, what else seems to be driving the the growth of investment or funding in the countries that you know we're seeing much more inflow into okay i would i'll single out drc rwanda and senegal and what's bringing the attention is what the fintechs or sorry what the uh, tech companies are focused on so for example in the drc anything that's focused on agriculture and infrastructure is a huge hit because anything that can fix their tech infrastructure is very well welcomed. Like what I mentioned earlier, the guys building the into switch of the DRC, and then agriculture is a big part of a big contributor to their GDP. So anything that makes uh, things easier or can improve their outputs um, agriculturally is very welcome. So that is why a lot of funding is going is going there. Also in the DRC, there's a company called nuru and nuru brought in if i'm not mistaken 90 million in funding and they did that because what they're working on is clean is a clean tech company and what they're working on is trying to build 
um, infrastructure for a solar mini grid in the DRC. So, I mean, 90 million in funding is huge for a country like the DRC, and that is also an infrastructure issue. So, it's it's a company coming in to fix infrastructure in terms of electrification right so that is also something so infrastructure and agriculture any tech that goes into the drc focusing on agriculture and infrastructure would do very well in rwanda they're more focused on i would say technological advancements and agro processing so anything that is making the value chain expand their value chain so not just in terms of improving their agricultural outputs but also improving what so for example if they have cocoa if you can help them transform cocoa into chocolate uh. or if you can help them transform cassava into something that can be used by breweries for example that is something that they're closely looking um, into and anything really that can mechanize uh, that can automate a lot of things that the rest of the world has automated or things that aren't, aren't being manually done by most of the rest of the world that's something that would do very well in rwanda and then in senegal senegal is primarily focused on agriculture so they have a lot of grants they have a lot of um, tax write-offs they have i mean they have so many brilliant incentives for anything agriculturally based right and this year we're spoken to i mean i mean like three companies who are focused on improving the outputs of one is focused on improving the output of farmers. One is focused on providing credit to farmers. The third one is focused on providing off-takers for farmers. I mean, it's all about Senegal. And I know that the UBA in Senegal provided the largest uh, credit facility they've done ever <laughs> to a company that was focused on improving um, access to credit for farmers in in senegal so that just shows wow. the amount of promise that their agricultural sector has so pretty much any tech in senegal agriculture rwanda agro-processing technology drc africa uh, infrastructure in general as well as agriculture that's why those three countries are hitting the map now let's talk about regulation government and regulatory activities and how it has impacted the space in 2023 I, I want to paint a few pictures first i know that clean tech or climate tech it's been building up across the world the conversation around it has been building up across the world for a while but i know that in 2022 right yeah uh the nigerian government you know launched a particular initiative you know that you know promised a lot of money um, in you know the fight against climate change and i know that in 2023 the uh, the african continent especially the leaders came together and they had like the africa climate week um or, or summit the first time ever and had all oh, these are the things where you know where we want to do the um, ambitious goals uh, and this was before or headed to cop 28 as we speak um, COP28 is happening and we're expecting what news will come out of um, COP28. But the, the amount of announcements and pledges that the, especially those leading different ministries or, you know, government agencies, you know, have put forward. I think that somehow impacted uh, this space, um, especially in terms of uh, the trust that you know went into clean tech or cl climate tech and the... the the startups in that space 
Now, I want you to think about the kind of regulations or regulatory announcements and the amount of effort that the governments in different regions and countries, you know, have put forward that has impacted positively or negatively um, this space from Rwanda to Nigeria. I know Nigeria signed the Startup Act. Um, Rwanda and the announcements that are being made, you know, visit Rwanda and, you know, come invest in Rwanda to North Africa and what's happening there too. Okay, thanks for that. So I would say for the most part, Kenya, Uganda, either Uganda or Rwanda, Kenya, South Africa and Rwanda or Uganda, I don't remember exactly, are really leading the pack in terms of adoption of clean energy or or actually moved beyond just, you know, writing policies mm. or regulations, they're actually doing the work, right? Mm. So for example, in Kenya, um, they've signed like three grants, or they received like three grants, one from the US, mm-hmm. uh, I think both from the US actually, one from the US, one from an international body for, I think there are four, Kenya has like four initiatives that they want to bring in mostly targeted at transportation so infusing clean energy mm-hmm. in the transportation sector right so kenya is big on that they also have a, a grants for companies who are focused on electric vehicles um in south africa the same thing i think south africa is even looking more into that now because of all the, uh, electricity cuts and yeah, electricity cuts. Yeah, this year, so they are even looking more into that. They re- they recently received funding from either the IMF or the World Bank, either last month or, or yeah, I think last month they they received funding from the IMF specifically looking at how they can bring in clean tech into the region. Besides what they're already doing, and I think in either Rwanda or. Or Uganda, I forget exactly, or even both are looking into companies are looking into providing grants for innovators or founders who even have an idea of so just even just an idea will be fine and they can fund how that can be adopted in the country. It's probably most likely going to be Rwanda because Rwanda is really tech focused. For Nigeria, I, I, I really don't know what to say about Nigeria because we're very good at you know providing policies or writing policies and you know saying all the right things and doing <laughs> you know all the, all the right publicity but then when it comes to enforcing or you know putting it into work it becomes a whole whole another story but i do take note of what the new uh, minister of innovation and digital economy is doing that's um Boston to uh, on uh, uh, yeah Boston Tijani, I mean, his fo- his, one of his focal points was, you know, trying to get more youth into tech. And I mean, they really recently launched something, even Ingressive was even part of the conversation on how they can, imp- how they can get more young people into tech, whether it's in yeah. coding, in writing code and whatever they can do that's tech related so that we can improve the tech sector. And I, I think, I guess that ties in with the startup um, act and there was also something that um, they launched along with the nigerian stock exchange where they want more startups to look at ipos as an exit beyond acquisitions you know mostly it's been acquisitions Mm -hmm. that have fueled 
um, exit for most founders in Nigeria. You know, some um, some bigger companies acquiring the company, and then that's it, right? So they want more companies, more tech companies to look at IPOs as a as a valid strategy to get money, and you know they're trying to bring all sorts of initiatives because I mean. Everybody likes dollar more than Naira. Mm. So it's very hard to convince people when they can get dollars, huge or millions of dollars to, to that, get, uh, get them to settle for millions of Naira. So there's an ongoing conversation there where they've re- um, they opened a portal recently. To, um, that's the NGX, Nigerian Exchange Group, opened a portal recently specifically for startups and trying to help them to get the um documentation the need and all the information they need to exit through an ipo i think it opened um last month and i think it's going to be more aggressively focused on going into 2024 so in terms of even though nigeria does write good policies and does take some time i think the new minister is pushing is taking this more aggressively so i commend him on that so those two things in Nigeria, that one thing in those three countries I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. which is Kenya, Rwanda, and South Africa. For North Africa, I don't really look too much in what they do beyond what is going on in Egypt. And if Egypt is a good focal point for, for Northern Africa, there's a lot of focus on doing things within the north african space and the middle eastern space right and a lot of their investments surprisingly do come from within their country or from saudi arabia or the united arab emirates right so um a lot of their policies are focused on making things easier for middle eastern countries if i can if if i can say that without offending anyone but they have a lot of good regulatory policies but it's focused mostly on their region right not really africa as as a whole Mm. so i can't speak to their regulatory policies but i do know that egypt you know um opened something they called the supreme council for investments earlier in the year and that is you know that's that's commendable Kenya did something as well um, in the technological space. Ghana, you know, Ghana is where Ghana is, but for the most part, their country has stabilized because of the injection they got from the IMF, the 3 billion extended credit facility. So that's mostly stabilized their currency for now. So we're looking, we were hopeful for big things to come out of of Ghana from next year or even from, from this year, from this year actually this company complete pharma which is one of our portcos um, raised about three over three million dollars just last month um in their series pre-series a so that's something that's that's a good thing that's happening in ghana and that shows a lot of trust that investors are having in ghana now but overall um, to answer your question on the regulatory environment i think uh we have the right initiatives coming up and a lot of countries are bringing up initiatives that are very good for foreign investments that are very good for the ecosystem in general as well as the ecosystem within their countries what i would be skeptical about is the implementation of those policies or the enforcement on those policies and making things easier for startups going forward i know the cbn was very harsh fintechs during you know the past cbn governor's tenure I think things have begun to, to turn around. 
Okay, and uh, CBN for those listening is uh, Central Bank of Nigeria. So this is more focused. On oh Nigeria. yes, the central. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the Central yeah. Bank of Nigeria. So, so let's let's look at shutdowns in 2023. Did you expect the number of shutdowns and how big you know of a news splash they made when we started out in 2023 and? Do we have more shutdowns or do we just have more reporting of shutdowns? And what's your take generally on the amount of shutdowns you've had this year and what that says about the the ecosystem? I'll say for the for the most part, most of the shutdowns, if I'm not wrong, were fintech related. At least a, a big portion of them were fintech related. And I think what happened is not necessarily a lack of funding. I would think it was it was not having the right structures or the appropriate structures in place. So for example, and it's always related to financial management, right? For example, uh, we have 54 Gene mm-hmm. in September. I mean, 54 Gene has, I mean, they've been trying to get back on their feet ever since they reported their issue last year. And you know, they tried to raise some money. It didn't work out. They tried to change the way they do business. It didn't work out. And I think eventually they had to wind down. So that was a financial financial man- management related issue is what led to the demise of 54 Gene. When you look at Payday, for example, you know, it, it was just re- recently announced that Payday has been acquired, even though they raised three million earlier this year. Mm-hmm. It also leads to, it does also begs to say, okay, what kind of financial decisions were made in the management of the funds that were released, right? So for the most part, I think and uh, um, there was also Pivo that raised two million about the time last year, actually, November last year, they raised two million in funding from primarily from Y Combinator, and then they just shut down. They announced that they'll be shutting down um, last month, right? So just a year after raising two million, you know, it's like, oh, what what happened, right? Just like so, that. yeah, just like that. So I think for the most part, it's young founders getting access to huge amounts of money and not having the necessary financial structures in place on how to manage their finances and that is something that we caught a hold on of quickly because we had about two portals that were affected by um again the svb crisis the silicon valley bank crisis that happened we had two portals who had some of their money in there so we had to raise credit facilities for them uh, bridge facilities for them in order to continue going and then we organized a financial manager we got a financial management professional who's is a general <laughs> in, in financial management mm-hmm. so we reached out to him and had him do a, a presentation or have a talk with all our portfolio companies on the structures to put in place to make sure that they can manage their, their finances very well how to stretch every dollar how to reduce burn rates and all of that but i think it's something we expected not to the degree that we saw, but it's something that is expected. Not every startup will do well. Not every uh, company that you invest in is going to go on to, you know, profitability. But you don't expect it to be an issue of mismanaged funds when it does happen. It's usually tied to, okay, there was some regulation that abruptly came in and destabilized them, or you know, there was 
another guy got into the scene and crushed them with you know some new advanced feature that they didn't see was something that was going to be you know big you know it's usually something around mm -hmm. innovation or lack of you know innovation but when it comes when it's financial mismanagement it's, it's not really a good sign right it, it starts making it look like these guys are too young to manage their kind of their the amount of money that they're handling so i think going forward you know for example what we've decided to do is every company has to go through financial management course or you know some kind of some kind of analysis of your structure and then definitely we have to be on the board just to be keep abreast on what is going on because sometimes they do release you know even though most companies require that these companies release you know monthly updates or quarterly updates sometimes you don't look too closely at the updates or mm. see how realistic those updates are you're just happy to see oh, okay good good number of users is going up excellent revenue is up profit is up you don't really look at really how how did you guys arrive at these numbers mm -hmm. right so for the most part i think it was we can chalk it up to financial irresponsibility for the startups that did close down and the best way to to handle that is make sure that each investment there's a structure in place on how to manage the finances the burn rate is low we take a closer look at how much they are paying each other because some of them pay themselves outrageous <laughs> salaries you know just overall and make sure you know somebody if you do a large investment make sure that you have a board seat just to have an oversight of what is being done in the company and looking back at what you said when we started the call the changing funding environment that we have on the continent now and a few years back we just had like a lot of a ton load of money just coming in coming in. it's like well, if you have an idea just someone to fund it uh, and now because of the economic environment globally um, everyone is, you know, shining the eye, the eye more like, oh, let's actually look at this thing and see, you know, let's be sure this is what we want to do. Let's scrutinize this a little bit more. And it seems like this is the year we're seeing that what is coming to light in terms of, you know, financial mismanagement and whatnot. How much of a change is happening in the funding you know, and invest investment environment on the continent? I wouldn't say a loss is changing and I wouldn't I wouldn't chalk it up to an Africa specific issue. I just like you said, you know, everybody is shining their eye more, they're becoming more skeptical, their due diligence is taking a lot longer just because mm -hmm. they want to see the nitty gritty of every single thing. So I think um, Africa is still you know, hate it or love it, Africa is still the golden child <laughs> in terms of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the golden child, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, funding worldwide. Yeah. I mean, everybody is looking more and more into Africa. For a lot of our LPs, for example, Ingressive is their first Africa anything. Like, they didn't know anything about Africa. They didn't care okay. anything about yeah. Africa until we enlightened them and, you know, show them our investment thesis and our track record and it's like okay let's let's get a, be, a piece of this action and the returns so think, have been coming too yes yes and those who and yeah of course the returns have been coming so those kind of numbers gets you know piques the interest of investors when they when they see that and when you see that you're investing in a continent where all these fundamentals make sense you know when you look at mobile penetration is going up the population is going up africa is going to have the largest population in the next 
five to ten years you know you look at so anything really and that's why nigeria is still a darling because we have the largest economy the largest population in africa so anywhere where there's a lot of people there's a lot of potential so i don't think i don't think uh, funding is going to reduce drastically i think there was a slowdown and that's understandable because people don't people don't like losing money <laughs> nobody likes losing money so people are really more skeptical but i think for the most part africa is still the sweetheart i mean when you compare it to latin america Latin America or LATAM, as some people uh, call it, had the same trajectory as Africa, where there was this sudden boom and then there was so much money coming in. All of a sudden, last year, it's like, you know, <laughs> what's going on? People are taking their money out. What's, what's going on in that area? And, you know, it doesn't seem to be coming back up. But for Africa, like you said, there was a slight dip. Or not substantial enough to be like, hey, what is going on? It can it's clearly understandable. People are being more careful with their money, people are taking more time. So just in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is Africa is still doing very well. It's still bringing in a lot of um, venture capital, also getting a lot of interest. There's money coming in and there's interest coming in. So the more interest, the more the interest is rightly positioned at the right companies, the funding definitely will come in. The more innovation that comes in, the funding is definitely going to come in. I just think it's not going to be as easy as we had it in prior years, but I don't think anybody's going to up and leave Africa anytime soon. Uh, is this is this supposed to be like a, you know how they say this is a transformative step? So when people look at a journey, for example, they say, oh, when you, this is step one, step two, step three, step four. So if you're in step two, they're like, oh, well, yes, it means, you know, you've left step one and it means you're headed to step three. So this period, can we describe it as a period or a, a step or a phase um, that we're experiencing? And do we clearly know that all oh, usually like if we look at um, other um, climbs that have gone through, you know, this journey, you know, this is supposed to be the next step or this is how it's supposed to move. This is where the next step or where we're headed from here. Well, I'll, I'll probably describe it. I mean, there isn't enough data to describe it as circlical, but I would say it, it's probably a cycle, right? You have those periods where you do super well, and then you have the times where it goes down, just like the stock market, right? Mm. There are periods where there is so much money coming in and valuations are through the roof, and then there are the mm -hmm. periods where oh my god what happened everything is going down so i think we're in we don't have enough data to say that okay this is a cycle because for africa everything has just been going up and up and up and up and up right so i would say maybe we're in new territory because we've been having it's been good news <laughs> so far and then it's like oh my god what's what's going on this year but i would say yeah i, I guess you could describe it as this is the next step you know in terms of this is we haven't reached our maturity i don't want to say that for the most part we were spoiled in terms of everything was just looking good you know getting so much money and we can do no wrong i think we got to that point and you know there was a time where it was there was the buy now pay later boom 
then there was mm. the instant payment boom mm. and then there was i mean there were so many people doing the exact same things and everybody was just throwing different mm -hmm. pieces throwing money mm -hmm. at whatever everybody trying to get a piece of everything without actually looking at the fundamentals or looking at what is so unique about company a because company b is doing the exact same thing what mm -hmm. is the differentiating factor right everybody was just trying to get a piece of everything everybody was looking to fund the next pay stack right mm -hmm. so i think that is what happened and then now people are you know all those companies that were trying to be the next pay stack or were not doing anything they didn't have a, a feature that separated them from someone who was like the new uh someone who was the leader in that segment you know have now started seeing the repercussions of not having a usp that's unique selling fits well it was a unique selling point but right now i'm trying i'm referring to unique selling feature right so if you don't have a usb something that separates you from others eventually is going to tell and you're not going to get a lot of traction moving forward and i think that's what happened to the likes of uh, pivo where they're providing facilities for smes but i mean there are a million other paypoints is doing exactly the same thing i mean paypoint does something very similar there's credits, there's rent money. I mean, there's fair money. There are so many mm -hmm. fintechs that are doing that. I have a bigger balance sheet than they do. So eventually they're going to run out of money, run out of funds. And, you know, I think, I think that's what happened. So I think for us, I would say we're, we're, we've evolved into the stage where now there's more scrutiny looking at what exactly is your business model what exactly is separating you from a b c d that already exist what is your what is, are your future plans what is your your growth trajectory do you plan to move into ghana move into senegal move into uganda what is your plan you know going forward and then like i said just more scrutiny really in your finances because you always have to remember that even though it's a lot of money it's it's somebody's money right so you have to be careful with how you're spending other people's money and if they see that you know africa is beginning to have too many defaults in a particular sector then then more scrutiny is going to go into those investments so i think we're at the point where people are not dashing us money in quotes now they are now they're actually investing and when it comes to investing there's lots of scrutiny and due diligence that goes into making investments so i think yes we're at the next stage where now we're big boys we're not children so we have to we have to sit up and pull up our pants when we, if we want money from investors going forward okay now let's look finally at the types of funding and investment that's coming to africa debt financing which ones have you noticed in 2023 and has there been any difference you know from previous years there's a slight difference i think for the most part i i primarily focus on equity financing mm -hmm. but i have noticed that debt facilities have increased so any company that raised maybe 13 or 20 million and above definitely had some form of debt facility tied into that it might not be a big percentage but definitely you know for example the 400 million raised by mnt um halan a, a major part of that was equity 
but there was also a big portion of it that was debt as well and um, even the 13 million raised by Jetstream a portion of that was also debt right so I think definitely debt has increased maybe just as a I think it's been put in primarily to keep the fintechs on their feet because when it's equity it's it's almost like free money right but then when it's debt then you know that you have to pay you have to pay the money back you're on the timeline so you have to sit up and make sure you do things right so if we're giving you 20 million dollars or 400 million dollars yeah a big a good portion of it is definitely going to be debt and i think it's just to make sure you know they don't relax and and just focus but they're 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 steered the right way so for the most part the the most of the money is equity as far as i can see because that's what i focus on but i did see an increase in in uh, debt Mm. okay which other which other you know types you know was was big this year uh maybe maybe dfis something from that from that end i would say yes a lot of foreign investors primarily um there were three that i took note of IFC is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mastercard yeah. Foundation is one of them. Proparco uh, from France is one of them. Those three actually came out, popped up a lot during the course of the year, either funding fund of funds or even as direct investors in startups. Yes, yes, definitely there was a lot of activity from multinationals. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that also goes to show that you know every a lot of people are looking looking at Africa. And I even think last month, Mastercard Foundation funded about twenty seven million in three fund of funds. One of them, I think, two of them are Nigerian. But I, I remember Vested Wall uh, in Nigeria is one of one of the companies that received funding from Mastercard Foundation. So yeah, absolutely. And I did mention Mastercard Foundation and CC Hub. Earlier as well yeah. Fund, uh, earlier yeah so i think yeah mastercard foundation definitely uh, uh, multinationals are doing a lot of a lot of stuff in africa Popaco, ifc yeah absolutely okay beautiful is there anything we seem to be missing out from this conversation um on you know the things that shaped you know funding and investment um conversations in 2023 on the continent anything we seem to be missing out I don't think so. Um, but I would mention, you know, there's something something coming up that we could take note of, and that's this issue with the BRICS countries. That's Brazil, Russia, India, China, South and Africa. South Africa. Yes. Yeah. You know, they're really pushing for their currencies to be included for international trade. Basically, they are trying to reject um, the dollar. Um, you know, most countries have their foreign reserves in US dollars and they are trying to challenge that norm. Like, why can't it be British pounds or Euro or Japanese yen mm-hmm. or Swiss franc? Why does it have to be dollars? So a lot of them are moving towards doing um, bilateral trade using their own currencies. And, you know, they are trying to wrap in Argentina, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE. And I mean, if they get the UAE and Saudi Arabia involved, that's going to be a big problem for, that's actually going to be a big problem for the US dollar. So that is something we should take note of. If they gain a lot of momentum from next year, because I think Argentina, Egypt, um, Saudi Arabia, Iran, a couple of countries uh, were invited and they've accepted to join from january next year so 
that is definitely something we need to look into is the us dollar still going to be as valuable in 2024 uh that's yet to be seen so so this this automatically brings up a lot of conversation around what we what whatever what we're basing in in fact just the the currency we're using as the basics for almost everything in business and funding investment and and, and all of that exactly exactly and i mean i think that also ties into why nigeria is trying to get ahead of the curve you know bringing up how um, startups can exit through ipos in nigeria as opposed listing to listing them also you know, on the listing stock, stock exactly yeah. rather than getting acquired by a company in us dollars so i think all that is going to be make for a very interesting uh 2024 and uh finally i'll say on the final notes there's been an uptick in in uh how we do i guess how we trade you know social commerce has been big this year uh, social commerce being people doing trade over social media so using mm. whatsapp using instagram using facebook that that has increased dramatically this year and that's again there's more mobile penetration and more people are seeing the value of you know whatsapp business or whatsapp in general for trading or for doing business there are even a few startups that are going into that sector where um, you install an app and that app can help you trade right in whatsapp so you don't have to close the app and open a banking platform you can just transfer the money through the app through whatsapp so there are two companies that are doing that one out of ghana one out of india that are doing that and i guess agency banking as well was big this year less and less people are going to banks more more and more people are doing agency banking money points is making a load of money Opie is making a load of money i mean when i go out now with bolts or uber i want to transfer everybody has everybody has an opi account you know mm -hmm. so i think definitely that those two things agency banking that's getting big in africa and uh, social commerce Mm. This this year we really didn't see much of uh, e-commerce and retail in terms of funding and money. I think uh, the agri-tech and the health tech kind of like pushed them off. Yes, you're right. Uh, you're right actually because what you said is not a lot of they weren't uh, pushed out in in total, but there weren't a lot of them. I would say in funding this year, maybe e-commerce came fifth or sixth oh, so wow. they're not they're not uh they're not way off but not so many people investing in them because really there's no what else can you do in e-commerce that hasn't been done right we have jumia who is uh is a Six unicorn boy struggling boy struggling yeah. unicorn <laughs> yeah so when you look at that it's just like uh do you really want to go into this space but there was a country there was a startup in south africa that's getting a lot of promise and their e-commerce is focused on people being able to exchange so you can buy something and then if you want to exchange it for something else or you want to upgrade you can just sell it back and then oh, add wow. some credits and buy more oh, yeah wow. it's an interesting it's an interesting business model so they got a lot of funding i think they're i think they're they closed their pre-seed i think they were they raised their their seed round and they did very well so I found it very interesting, actually. It's, it's in South Africa. I don't, I don't remember the name right now, but I do remember that that was a different approach to e-commerce. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of companies saw that, that um, unique feature and they got a lot of investments. So let's see what happens. Uh, okay, so let's look at 
end of the year yuletide christmas beginning of the year what are your wishes for christmas and for the new year well for me in terms of venture capital i hope we close on a on a high note like for q you know the first half of the year we did very well over 1.8 billion and then q3 we did 149 120 million thereabout and then uh in october it just dropped to about 50 million in all of africa so that's a huge huge decline from the progression we had all through the year so i'm still looking at what's happened in november and tracking what's happening this month it looks promising so i i just hope we 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 close on a finish note i don't want I don't want the overall difference for between 20 and 2023 and 2022 to be so substantial that it gets even there's even more scrutiny going into 2024, especially what we're seeing for the US dollar uh, moving forward. So I guess my wish is, you know, we finish 2023 on a high note. Okay, okay. And this ties to like your wish for 2024 too or the new year? Uh, I suppose, yeah, yeah beautiful that's fine thank you very much um for joining on this episode of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) thanks for for having me yes thank you very much so i've been speaking to sylvester k adade he leads market research for ingressive capital and if you don't know ingressive capital and you're like in the tech space i don't think you i think you should just like you know reevaluate what exactly you know in the tech space (laughs) (laughs) yes thank you very much Sylvester market research lead ingressive capital ingressive capital but okay let's help you out first 10 million dollar fund one and 50 million dollars fund two they're a VC firm on the continent of Africa and yes Sylvester is your guy you know investment trends patterns across the continent not just for ingressive um, um, capital but the areas that ingressive capital covers on the continent and other areas too on the continent thank you very much for sharing these thoughts with us as we wrap up the year 2023 this is our funding and investment wrapped for 2023 courtesy sylvester from ingressive capital thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com